Um, I think it's time for a Bible verse. You guys like those? Yeah. yeah. In fact, I bet we got some favorites. I bet some of you have a Bible verse on your fridge, uh, on a throw pillow, on some cross stitch above the bathroom. In fact, let's visit some of those. Maybe we'll visit some of your favorites right now. Let's look at like just the top five most Googled, most read, most looked up, most well-known Bible verses. And it'll make us feel good. We like these. These are common ones. Let's look at the first one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Wow. Plans to prosper you mm, and not harm you. Mm. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. We love that one. Mm. Give me a mmm. Maybe you love Philippians 4.13, even though it gets preached out of context a lot. Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ. I can have a Ferrari and play D1 football all because of Jesus, because that's, that's what Paul meant. <laughs> Not I can survive through all circumstances because I need nothing other than Christ. Oh, Number three. Genesis 1-1, if you even open your Bible, there's a chance you've read this verse by accident a million times. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> Some of you are like, wait, but I opened the first page of my Bible and it just said uh, Zindale Publishing. And it's, anyway, <laughs> Proverbs 3-5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Number five, oh, I, that was number four, you know what I'm saying. Number five, Matthew 28, verse 19, mm, the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's me, I'm fake drinking, there's nothing in here. It sounds realistic though, yeah? Thank you, thank you, I've been practicing. And then, there's another verse that might be the most iconic and all-encapsulating scripture of all time, the complete fulfillment of the Bible. Athletes write it on their forehead, they write it on their shoes, nuns get it tattooed on their face. Maybe not. There is no other verse like this verse. The most well-known verse, so well-known that even in and out says, whoever drinketh from this cup shall never thirst again. John 3.16, down here at the bottom of the cup, zoom in, I can prove it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Anybody ever heard that one before? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. If you haven't, here you go. It's a good one. Really good. There might not be a more well-known verse, right? It's everywhere. We stand on this verse. But what I find crazy, and, and me and the young adults, we'll kind of vibe with this for a second. What's wild is sometimes we'll take verses like this and we hang everything on them, as we should because they hold great weight, but we don't look at what comes before them or the context of which verses like these are said. Maybe something we know a little bit less about is the moment of which this scripture is said by Jesus. So tonight, we're gonna look at it. Tonight as a family, I want us to walk through the story 
of Jesus and Nicodemus. Now, before we do that, I want to throw this at you. I'm just thinking about this. I'm not saying everyone is like this. I'm just something on my mind. Sometimes if we're not careful, we treat faith, faith in Christ and or Christianity, um, like it's an arrival thing. Now, I will say there are things uh, that can be a little bit more definite, like, hey, you either do believe that Jesus is the son of God or you don't, right? But that doesn't mean there's not a wrestling match between those two thoughts, right? Sometimes we want to divide her in between these things instead of this gray area where you're really trying to figure stuff out. In fact, that space is called liminal space. I'm just going to teach you something real quick. Matt, Matt Bow is not the only one that knows cool words. <laughs> liminal space is the space between what is and what will be. And we have grace on just about everything with liminal space other than our faith. Meaning, I mean, my students, you've heard me say this many times. You, you don't just start, you don't take a toddler or an infant and put them on a 500cc dirt bike. There are stages, right? You put them on one of those cute little plastic tricycles so they don't get hurt, and then you bust them over to the Huffy with the training wheels, and you take the training wheels off, and then you get them a bigger bike, and then you get them a BMX bike, and then you get them a mountain bike. You know, you start working through the stages of development and stages, and, and there's falls in between, isn't there? You scrape your knee when you're learning how to rollerblade before you were ever a professional figure skater. It's so relatable. <laughs> We're so patient and we have so much grace with every natural stage of life, except something about when it comes to our faith, we feel like it's something we arrive at or that we're not there. And I'm afraid that somebody's buying that lie that maybe you think I have arrived. I get it. Yes, Jesus. And you haven't allowed yourself to go further in your faith because you've capped it off. Or some of you feel like you don't have it or you're not allowed to have it because it's kind of one way or the other. Maybe you've heard the lukewarm story before, but maybe it's been preached out of context to you. Maybe you've heard, I'd rather you be hot or be cold, but because you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. And we think that that's, I would rather you be completely against me or for me instead of kind of for me somewhere in the middle walking the fence. Did you know that that's very untrue? Do you think that the heart of Jesus that said, I will die for the sake of the world, I will rebuild the bridge between earth and heaven, creating salvation for all who call on my name, do you think that Jesus, the character of our Savior, would say, I'd rather you be completely against me than kind of for me? No, that scripture, I don't have time to go through the whole thing. That scripture saying, I'd rather you be something I can use, be something useful, be a hot water, be a cold water, hot water cleanses, cool water refreshes, be something that is useful not be something stagnant and sitting still and apathetic. Anyway, I have this story, this Jesus and Nicodemus story that I think will undo that for you because we're gonna see a wrestling match with a real life person living in that liminal space, right? The space between what is and what is to come where he's, dude, we're gonna see a live action story of a man wrestling to try and believe and figure out what Jesus even is. And so I want you to know there's grace on you tonight. If you feel like you've been wrestling, you have no idea what you believe, great! No one here is going to throw any shade on you. You are exactly where you need to be. So I'm going to give you this story of Nicodemus in five stages, five stages of Nicodemus. And I want to do this because I want you to, uh, as we walk through this together, 
I want you to just simply take a self-assessment and I want you to figure out what stage you are in because I would be willing to bet that everyone in this room is at one of these five stages. And so whichever one you identify with, you might identify with three of them. But I want you just to say, hey, Lord, show me where I'm really at, okay? Let's look at the first one. The first stage of Nicodemus is curiosity. We have this initial encounter. Let's read it. It says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee, which if you did not know, um, they weren't so great. Um, They weren't uh, fans of Jesus. Um, In fact, uh, what's a, they wanted to murder him. Anyway, after dark one evening, after the sun had gone down, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And I just want to speak to somebody in the room real quick at stage one, that it is beautiful to be in a stage of curiosity about the Lord. You might not know, man, I don't know if I want to be in church. I don't know about this music. I don't know about that pastor. I don't know, I don't know nothing about nothing, but this, but there's something about you. There's something about this that feels real. And you have Nicodemus, a Pharisee, someone who's a part of a people group that currently opposes Christ, who visits him at night, Right? Maybe you're that way. Maybe you came here and you didn't tell your family you were coming to church tonight. You told them you were going to Denny's for a Grand Slam or something. You know, you told them like, hey, no, I got work. And you're like, you do got work in here. Uh, you, got some, you got some work to do. <laughs> so do not be ashamed of your curiosity. In fact, lean into it. He's curious. Hey, listen, I know there's opposition, and I know I'm not sure about this whole thing that you're doing, making all these public scenes and he doing all these healings and miracles, but obviously there's something about you. What is it? <laughs> he starts asking questions, which leads us to stage two. All the answers, oh no, sorry, confusion. Can there please be more grace in the church for confused people? <laughs> Um, I don't have my Bible up here with me, but the Bible is hard to understand. If you are one of the people, you just like, okay, God speak to me today, and you open it up, and you go, bam, and you go, and you try to fully process whatever you're reading, um, that's hard. The Bible isn't something necessarily meant to completely comprehend and understand first go around. In fact, it does a lot more confusing than anything. But it's meant to be a meeting place with God. And the more you meet with him there, and the more you go to where he is, the more you get to know him, and the more you get to see the dots connecting, and the more you get to see the way the stories connect. And oh, God's not just angry and wants to destroy his people. In fact, he withholds his hand, and he protects his people, and he fulfills his promise always. And he really is a loving, caring God. And you get to see the God story completely unfold, but you have to spend time with it. But that doesn't mean you don't get confused. How prideful and arrogant do we get sometimes that we think we're just going to get it first go around? Confusion is a beautiful thing. Confusion 
is part of the on-ramp that completely changed the life of Nicodemus, a religious leader who opposed Christ. Confusion is okay. Now, disclaimer, we don't believe in a spirit of confusion, right? We don't want confusion to come across the people. I'm talking confusion being like personally wrestling with like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Which is this moment right here. Jesus says, very truly I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What do you mean? By the way, it's okay to question God. Questioning him does not equal doubt. Questioning him is just an attempt to get closer. He says, what do you mean? (laughs) This is weird, weird image. How can an old man go back? I was going to do something weird with my hand right there. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Go back into his mother's womb and be born again. (laughs) He comes to Jesus out of curiosity. What is it about you, man? We know there's something, so what is it? Jesus says, I'm telling you, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't see what you're actually looking for unless you are born again. And he says, hey, uh, what? I'm like 79 years old. I can't. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) He's confused. (laughs) Jesus says, listen, man, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Pause right there, let's just take a sidestep. Anybody have games on their phone? Yeah, yeah. It's okay, even if you're a grown person, it's okay. We have different kinds of games. Some of you play games on your phone way too long all day and you get your eyeballs off of it and chill out and it's wrecking your dopamine system in your brain. Um, Maybe you have games the way I have games. Uh, I have, just transparently, uh, what I call bathroom games. (laughs) Games that take just long enough to play Uh, for things to be handled. Okay. Um, One of my favorite bathroom games, listen, we're family, dude, just chill out, is a game called Golf Clash. Anybody play Golf Clash? Yeah, all right, come on, what's up, my homies? Okay, here's the thing with Golf Clash. Every time I download Golf Clash, which shows you that I've downloaded it multiple times, is I I get it and you start and you're a beginner in the game and then you get all these coins and you get all these things and you get all the new clubs and you get all the rewards and you're playing all the people and you've secretly had previous accounts before so you're totally stomping all the noobs, right? And then every time without fail, I'll play it for like a month or like a little bit and then I start losing. And I get on a pretty bad losing streak and then I lose all my coins and I lose all my rewards. I have nothing to offer the world and I feel worthless and I get mad and I try to go, no, 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 okay, this is the one and then you lose that one. I'm like, okay, this is the last one. I don't have any more coins and I'm gonna risk it all on this one. Praise God and then you lose again and then you delete the app, re-download it, start a new account, have a new name. (laughs) My names on Golf Clash are all grandma names. I can't tell you why, I just, I thought it would be funny, and I've been, uh, every time I restart, I have a new grandma name, I've been Graham Graham, I've been Meemaw, I've been Texas Grandma, I've been, (laughs) I've been like 15 different grandmas. Why? Because that's like the nature of us. 
Who at some point or another has not desired to have a restart or a redo or a do-over or a clean slate or a new criminal record or a new beginning at some point? But in real life, there are no redos. To do that would literally mean you have to start over from birth. Now that is, like Nicodemus came to the conclusion, that is not real. But in the confusion... The most beautiful truth is revealed, that Jesus provides a true spiritual rebirth. And in that rebirth, he redeems your spirit back to its true identity, back to what it was built to be in the first place. And then this leads to a really interesting stage. The third stage is introspection. You see, it says mystery in the wind. Check this out. The wind blows wherever it wants. Jesus says this, right? The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? He has this introspective moment where he goes, wait, 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 what do I even believe about any of this? Because Jesus is saying, listen, dude, you need to understand, and this would be a guy who is so well-versed in scripture, so completely educated to be ready to explain anything and everything about the Lord. And yet here he is going inwards and going, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe I don't get it. This rebirth. He says, it's like the wind. You can feel it. It blows wherever it wants. You can hear it, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so that is the way with spiritual rebirth. Man, when people come into a place like this, listen, I can't tell you how hearts are transformed the way they are, but I can tell you, you can see it and you can feel it because people that came in one way do leave different and people that used to live one way no longer live that way and I can't tell you the mathematical equation, I can't explain what happened in their brain, I can't explain what happened in their heart, I can't explain what happened in their lifestyle or in their bank account or in their job or any of that stuff. I can tell you though that they encountered the presence of God and something is different and there was a mighty wind that took over them and started pulling them in a different direction and I can't explain it, but you can see it and you can feel it. And some of you are literally the living example of that. I can't explain how your life got this way and why right now you can't put your hands down in worship. But the spiritual rebirth is not something that's meant to be overly explained, it's meant to be experienced. The fourth stage, and this is one that I think. Uh, absolutely is, is, is like the, the most important is Nicodemus has the awakening. He's awakened, I think, in this moment. We don't see much, but I, th- I think he's at least in, in here, right? And in here, realizing who Christ is. Jesus says, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, what does that mean, okay? Snake on a pole in the wilderness. I am confused. We are back at stage two. Oh, gosh. 
Okay, in the Old Testament, there was a moment where uh, snakes were like eating the people of Israel and biting them and they were dying. Um, anybody afraid of snakes? Yeah, just picture a whole valley full of them eating your friends. Um, <laughs> right? Okay, that's what was going on in a very, very summarized version. God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to craft a bronze snake. I want you to go on top of this hill and lift it up. And on top of that hill, if your people would just turn and look at that bronze snake, the other snakes will no longer affect them. They will be saved. They will live if they will just look up. And Jesus says in this moment to a very confused, introspective, wrestling Nicodemus in this liminal space trying to figure out what's even going on with this Jesus character, he says, just as Moses lifted up that snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Hello, crucifixion. Jesus was beaten and bloodied and nailed to a cross, put up for all to see. But if you will just look at the cross and if you will just look to Jesus and acknowledge what's going on there, everyone who looks up to him shall be saved. He gives an illustration to Nicodemus that he would be very familiar with and says, hey, the same way that happened, I am also that, but that forever. And I provide the eternal life that comes with it. If you just look to me, Nicodemus, just look at me, be awakened to who I am. Proverbs 3. Oh, sorry. Let's not skip this. This gets us back to the greatest verse of all time, John 3.16. This is the context of which this is said. Remember, this is the awakening moment for Nicodemus. And then he says, after this snake illustration, right, after he declares that so the Son of Man must be lifted up to save the world, he says, because this is how God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life because God sent his Son, hello, somebody God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him please stop misunderstanding who my God is you might feel like you don't love God and God can't love you you might feel like church is a judgy place with a very judgy God who doesn't love you anyways because you're bad you're a bad boy bad girl are you reading the same scripture God did not send his son to be lifted up in that way so that he could condemn the world but to save the world that if you would just look to Jesus and have the awakening no matter if it started with curiosity if it started and it left you in a confused place or you're traveling introspective wise and you're just meditating all the time and you're going to therapy and you don't know what you believe or who you are he's saying just be awakened to who I am this is who I really am he says to Nicodemus Quick pause, Proverbs chapter three, verse five through six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. If you are in stage one, he will show you which path to take. If you are in stage two, he will show you which path to take. If you are in stage three and you're just like, oh, I'm going crazy, all my friends think I'm weird. You're in your own head a bunch. You're contemplating all the time. He will show you which path to take. And even once your eyes have been awakened and your heart has been awakened and your soul has been awakened and you go, ooh, I do believe that he is who he says he is, he will still show you which path to take. This awakening, please listen to me, man. I'm probably, this is gonna make me cry. Like, this awakening 
is so powerful and beautiful. Just the realization of who Jesus actually is. In fact, um, uh, where's Kirsten? Kirsten McClure. Where are you? Yo, okay, no, you stay there, you stay there. You don't have to get up or anything. Um, Kirsten texts me today, okay? And, uh, and she sent me this. Um, Kirsten's a young lady, or you senior, right? junior she's a junior but she feels called to be a missionary and Kirsten is some girl who just showed up in our youth group she was like I don't know what the heck is going on with this whole God thing she showed up at stage one fair yeah she showed up at stage one which is totally okay because now she's called to carry the name of Jesus forever and ever across the earth but she sent me (laughs) she sent me this text earlier this morning and it's kind of that awakening moment. It's not just I'm acknowledging who like Jesus is, who he says he is. It's, it's, it's I'm being awakened to like what that really means. She says, Drew, which is me. Drew, I know that we aren't supposed to understand, but it just bothers me so much that the Lord, all caps, constantly chases us. And we don't realize that every moment of every day, the Lord is literally running after us but it should be flipped dang but it should be flipped we should be constantly chasing the Lord and doing crazy things for the Lord I can't she said this is her words I can't wrap my head around why God would chase after people who take advantage of the chase and his obsession of us like why do humans have to be so stupid and narrow minded She's processing, dude. Like, like Jesus freaking died. <laughs> like, was, like it was pretty much murder because he loved us. I'm just so taken back by the fact that all we do is sit back and say, yeah, that's my God, that's my Father. But we can't sit here and stand up for the things we believe in and not be afraid to constantly chase after him. I just had to say that, LOL. I said, uh, I text back, I text back, I said, girl, you're starting to realize the way, uh, the way and the magnitude and the beauty of who Jesus really is and why he did what he did and the grace and the love that comes with it. We have always, and we will always be the most stubborn of his creation, but we are still his most prized possession. (laughs) She says, his prized possession if we're so stubborn (laughs) like the nature and everything he made us is so beautiful and then there's us who think that we're all just so smart and know it all how could he care for us so much I said because we're made in his image and he has unconditional love for us and in spite of our sins our faults and our selfishness he still has that love and that's why that that love is so beautiful and unmatched She's wrestling. But she's becoming awakened that there might be more to this. There might be more gravity to who Jesus really is. And there is so much beauty to any human heart, to any human soul that could be awakened to who Christ really is. In John 3, 16, that he came down to lay his life away for you. He came down to die for you. He was raised again. We talk about that cross, but we also better talk about that grave. That he did not just die for you. He was lifted back to life on your behalf so that you could live forever. Nicodemus only appears two more times in scripture. 
one time he speaks up, anybody ever spoken up and everybody just goes, makes some stank face at you. These guys were plotting to kill Jesus yet again. And, uh, and he just spoke up and he said, hey guys, maybe we're being a little, uh, a little too dramatic. And they said, oh, what, are you from Galilee too? And they, oh, oh, oh. We see him there. And uh, the last time we hear of Nicodemus, it's absolutely gut-wrenching. Not because of any torture or death or anything like that. Um, but there's a moment later on in the book of John, in John chapter 19, where uh, Nicodemus does something that I believe is more powerful than the awakening itself. And it's something that I really hope we get as a church tonight. The awakening of the church, the awakening of the young follower, the awakening of the heart is, is, is beautiful. That is what he asks of us. But Nicodemus does something here in John chapter 19. He has a moment of abandon. He really does lay it all down. John chapter 19, I'm going to read through it real fast. It says, afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared Jewish leaders. He feared people like Nicodemus. Joseph asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body after he was killed. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came back and he took the body away. And one of the most powerful scriptures ever in this moment is this, is that Nicodemus, where with him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made of myrrh and, uh, myrrh and aloes. Following Jews, Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices and long sheets of linen and cloth. The place of the crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. John chapter 19, verse 39. With him came Nicodemus. The last moment that we hear of the man Nicodemus in the Bible is him taking action to publicly reveal who he believes Jesus to be. He chooses, and he is a priest. He is a religious official. He is a Jewish man, and you shall not touch something unclean like a dead body, especially not the man we don't believe is the Messiah. And he chooses to honor the Lord. Nicodemus, the last moment we see him, he abandons tradition, he abandons his status, he abandons his old life, his old rules, his old reputation that he probably worked really hard for. Essentially, he is letting go of everything he used to belong to just to take care of the man he believes to be the savior of the world. The man he's been awakened to. So you better believe that three days later, when Jesus rose from that grave, declaring victory over sin once and for all, Nicodemus had to have been floored, saying it was worth it. It was all worth it. My faith did not mislead me. The curiosity, the confusion, the introspection, and the wrestling, the nervousness I had awakened to this none of it misled me it was all worth it it was worth abandoning everything i used to be it was worth worth abandoning everything i held on to it was all worth it freedom church please stand with me right now 
it was all worth it. He really is the Son of God here to restore His people. His words are real. His miracles are real. His calling is real. His authority is real. His heart is real. His love is real. His power is real. And His purpose for the world is real. So come into the church with confusion. Come into the church with your curiosity. Make space for introspection. Wrestle a little bit. Open yourself, though, to be awakened. And ultimately, church, you better make room and surrender it all with reckless abandon. Romans chapter 5 verse 21 says, So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, so now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And here's where I want us to go tonight. I don't know what stage you are at, but I hope that you'll do some work before we leave here tonight just to get maybe to the next stage. Really try to get to that stage 4, stage 5 the awakening of who Jesus is and I want to pause right there for anybody about to step into stage four would you close your eyes and bow your heads this is just to make sure that no one's distracting anybody don't worry no eyes are on you right now anyways except for God's eyes If you know that for you right now, if you're being so serious and so transparent, if you know that for you right now, this is that awakening moment for you to really realize who he is and accept him to be who he says he is, would you slip up your hand right now? Nobody looking around other than the angels in heaven. If that's you, this is your moment to be awakened to who Christ is. Come on, if that's you, be proud of yourself because you're taking a step forward to another stage. It's awesome. is going to be praying with you. We're going to pray this prayer together. So if you would, everyone repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, today is the day that my eyes are opened to your love, to your power, to your life, to your authority. Jesus, I believe that you love me so much. I was worth dying for. Today, in this room, your, your eyes have been opened tonight to who Jesus is. He's not just this idea of how to have a good life that you got from your grandma. He really is the Messiah. He really has hope for you. He has a plan for your life, and he is real. He is historically real. But right now, this is, this is the deep moment I want for our church. The awakening is beautiful. We pray for an awakening across the world. models that there must be a moment of abandon. And that is the hardest stage where having understood and having been awakened and knowing the things I know and seeing the things I see and believing the things I believe, can I let go of everything that's been for what will be? 
liminal space we're in as a church right here, right now. Can I really, really genuinely abandon everything I used to have and control? Many of us are totally okay with abandoning our past. We're not proud of it. We're okay with that part. But can you abandon your reputation? Can you legitimately lay your social status, your work status, down at the feet of Jesus? Are you willing, dude, I'm thinking about Nicodemus. In that moment, everyone is surrounded. Jesus, the people they believe to be this false prophet, is dead and they are celebrating. And he pulls away from that crowd and he goes over to his dead body. And then, what is this guy doing? Doesn't he know he's not supposed to? Hey, don't do that, Nicodemus. No, no, no. And he's, just doesn't, he's not listening. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. This man is the only man the true life comes from. And I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what you call me from here on out. I don't care how I make money. I don't care what my status is. I don't care where things go from now. But my life is in his hands. I don't know what that moment of abandon for you looks like tonight, but I know that it needs to happen, and I know that it won't happen just from my voice. I know that there's some people in this room right now that need to come up to this altar with hands lifted high, maybe laying down on the ground, maybe getting on those knees and saying, Lord, I have been awakened, but I have not abandoned who I am. Come on, if that's you, will you come down here right now and have the moment that he has been twisting your heart for? I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's hard, but he really wants you to begin to trust him. There's more than just Isaac Ganser. Oh, there are some grown men and some grown women that you've been awakened to Jesus for a long time, but you have never truly abandoned your heart to him. You have never truly lived in a reckless abandon. Come on, I'm talking about some moms and some dads. This moment is for you. Some families need to come down here together and say, this family will abandon it all for the sake of what Christ has to offer. I believe there's some twisting right now. Come on, let the Holy Spirit pull that shirt down to the altar. Come on, anybody else that needs, I know there's more. I know without a doubt, this is it. Why would you wait? It's because it's 821 and you're like, this guy went six minutes over normal time. Oh, we got plenty of time. We got nothing but time. Come on, that's awesome. Come on, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you because it's vulnerable. I'm just believing that the gates of hell are shaking right now because control is no longer in the hands of man. Control is no longer in the hands of woman. Status and reputation are no longer in the hands of the church, but they are in Christ's hands. And what Christ will do with the church will always be more beautiful than what the church can do with the church. Come on. Have the moment you know you need to have. If you need to be down here, I'm telling you this is it. Please come. Please come. And if you're not going to come down here, you better pray for those that are down here, please. Lord, I release this room right now. I release this room right now to lift their hands up to you and say, Lord, I will continue to live awakened and I will continue to live in abandon. God, giving all I have, giving all my heart, soul, mind, and strength to you, giving everything I got for your cause, for your cause.